This is John Shannon with KSFR News. I am speaking with Eugenia Charles-Newton, who is a council delegate of the Navajo Nation. Eugenia, there's a particular issue that you've been very interested in. I'll let you explain it, and we can begin discussing it. Thank you, Mr. Shannon. And yes, I I have been actually involved in a few issues, but this one actually has been a big concern for me. It is the legislation that was passed by council with a vote of 16 in favor, and I believe it was seven opposed, uh, to allow for funds to be used to purchase a home in Washington, D.C. for the Navajo Nation. Granted, there are future plans to turn that home into a office, which would be the Navajo Nation Washington office. However, we are in the midst of a pandemic, and so it's a little bit hard to say whether funds will be available to turn that home into an office. So at this point, I'm going to call it as it is, and it's a home. Apart from the pandemic, why would this be a controversial decision? Thank you for asking that question, uh, Mr. Shannon. So right now on the Navajo Nation, we have many people who don't have homes. This issue has been brought up throughout the pandemic because we have multi-generations living in homes. I know that one home in particular in my community, there's a home down the street where there's four generations living in that home. And it's not for a lack of not trying to build. It's because of all of the red tape that's involved in building a home or even, you know, getting, you know, getting a home situated there on the Navajo Nation. For instance, you can't build a home or you can't, you know, purchase a mobile home and have it delivered to to the community unless you have an area, actually it's called home site lease. The home site lease is basically stating that you, you know, have that land, a particular land that gets designated to you through a lease, and that allows you to be able to build a home, and it also allows uh, for electricity and water to be put, you know, at that home. So what what is happening now is a lot of people are buying mobile homes and they're bringing it onto the Navajo Nation or they're building homes without that home site lease. The problem that they run into is when it comes time to connect the home to electricity and water, without that lease, it can't be done. So it, there's a lot of red tape involved in building a home and getting established there on the Navajo Nation. And so this home in Washington, D.C., to me, it was basically a slap in the face for the Navajo people. Is that red tape Federal Bureau of Indian Affairs red tape, or is it uh, red tape that is part of the Navajo Nation's laws. So originally, it was the BIA that created that rule. And and several years ago, they transferred the home site lease, I guess, uh, permission or the the authority to the Navajo Nation. So in in some sense, I want to believe that we inherited a lot of that red tape, but that red tape was already there. And so, you know, we have been trying to address the issue. It's one of those things, it's like a ball of yarn, you know, where do you start? How do you start to unravel? You know, you would think you just pull one string and everything starts to unravel itself. But there's so many issues that are involved in that. And I'm currently looking at that home site lease law. And it has been it has been difficult. I can tell you personally, we, my, my husband and I and my son moved back to the Navajo Nation after working in Texas and Wyoming, getting experience being a professional out there, we moved back to the Navajo Nation to help our people. 
you know, to help our family. And my husband has is not employed right now because he can't find a job. And we just took a, a huge pay cut moving back. But we moved back to be closer to family. We didn't move back to make more money. And so when we moved back, we started the paperwork to apply for a home site lease there in the Shabbat community. And to date, we still don't have one. So we can't, you know, as much as we want to build a home, we can't. And so we, at one point, when I became a delegate back in 2019, I guess I should step back. So we moved back in 2016. At the time, President Russell Bigay offered me a position to come back. And I did want to come back because I wanted to be closer to family, as I stated. So we did move back. He generously made it possible for us to move into what's called employee housing. Uh, and that's if you're employed with the Navajo Nation, you know, you qualify for employee housing and you can get into employee housing if you don't have any land or home there in the community that you're serving. So we moved back to, to the employee housing. Unfortunately, you know, employee housing ends when you become an elected official. So in 2019, I had to move out. We had to move out of employee housing and we didn't have anywhere to move. We, I was a council delegate and I was homeless for four months. Uh, and that was very difficult. We had, you know, we moved in with my mother-in-law. And again, you know, there was three generations living in my mother-in-law's home. Here I was at one point making a lot of money and, and I come back to the reservation and I find myself and my family, you know, we're homeless. We don't have anywhere to go. We tried moving the home site lease process along, but because of so many of the regulations and laws, um, it made it very difficult. For instance, if you find a, a land, the land has to be like it can't belong to anybody. There can't be any grazing rights associated with it. Uh, then it's got to go through archaeological clearance. It's got to go through environmental clearance. Uh, then once you get past that, then at that point, they can start moving the process along. But the other thing that is very difficult is it's very costly around, I, I think once you get all of that stuff done, it's like close to $10,000. And living on the reservation, you have to have cash. There is no such thing as credit and there's no such thing as financing. So everything has got to have, you know, everything that you do has to have cash. And so we haven't even gotten to that point yet for, you know, identifying a land that could be transferred to us. But we've been patiently waiting. And here we are in 2021 and we still don't have a home site lease. And because of that, we can't build a home. And so this, I take it, is not unique to you. No, no. I mean, this is this is one of the issues that's happening on the Navajo Nation. So we do have a lot of people who do want to move home, who have moved home, you know, who have tried, but it's so difficult to get things done, to get things completed. There's so just, I, I hate to say this, but there's so much bureaucracy involved in, you know, trying to establish your home there on the Navajo Nation. It's so much easier to just move off reservation and buy a home. Let's jump back to the buying of the home in Washington, D.C. That, you said, was going to be used for offices. And uh, my, my first impression would be if it's in D.C., it's probably for the purpose of lobbying or what else? Well, uh, apparently it, it is for the purpose of lobbying, but one of the arguments that continue to be made over and over on the floor is so that we could plant a flag on that land that would allow our representatives and our senators, you know, as they're leaving the Capitol to see. 
which to me is just a ridiculous argument, but um, the argument won over and there were delegates who continued to make that argument over and over again. And so I proposed, you know, why don't we just buy a small plot of land to rent it from one of the homes there and let's build a flagpole and let's, you know, put the flag there. It's a lot cheaper than purchasing a home just to, you know, to fly this flag. Um, and so it was, it was a little bit frustrating, but that primarily seemed to be the argument, although there's argument that the Navajo Nation Washington office is there to advocate. I, uh, uh, the Washington office works directly with the president's office. Uh, the president's office doesn't necessarily always work with council. Uh, I've had difficulties getting information from the Washington office, even though they work there for the Navajo Nation. So one of the things that I always pose to directors, one question I always pose to directors is who is your boss? And most directors will tell you the president, the Navajo Nation president is my boss. And so I like to correct them and say, no, no, he's not. The people are your boss. Every day we get up, we work hard for the people. Uh, We don't work hard for the president. We don't work hard for one person. We work hard for the people. And so in that sense, the Washington office has made it clear that they're boss and they, you know, that they take leads from the president. However, I think that that should be corrected and that the Washington office, if they truly are advocating for the Navajo Nation, should be actually working for the people. Is the cost of the house itself, apart from the fact that the money for the house could be spent, you you feel could be spent better on the Navajo Nation, is the actual cost of the house somewhat controversial? Uh, Yes, because, you know, $4.9 million is a lot of money. A $1 million is a lot of money, especially for people, you know, who don't have it. People who don't have the simple, you know, the simple uh, needs, their their needs addressed. If we have people who are living out there who don't have water, who don't have homes, who don't have electricity, you know, who can't stay warm, you know, during the winter, you know, it begs the question, you know, whether this $4.9 million should have been spent in a in a, in, I guess in a better way, should we have considered all of that? And I'm sure, I'm sure the delegates who voted yes in favor for this home, um, maybe it did cost your mind. Maybe they have a plan to address those issues. Um, but I just always feel like you can't clean house. If you can't clean your own house, how are you going to go outside and want to, you know, get more houses, you know, fall into that same situation again? $4.9 million is a lot of money. If you were to divide that into the standard, I think the, the cost of a hogan, which is which is a traditional home that some people are using as a start-off home, a cost of a hogan right now with the restroom is probably around 55000 That's what we were told during the CARES legislation where we were debating back in the summer. So if you were to divide that $4.9 million and you were to divide it into 55000 or if you, you know, how many homes could you get? And that's what's really frustrating is that wasn't considered. The other part of this whole thing that wasn't considered is we, I feel like uh, we technically stepped outside of the, the law that allowed us to be able to, to purchase this property. And we, you know, we ignored it. If you look at the original intent of the law uh, dealing with this, um, with this legislation, we ignored it. And so it's really, it's sad because it kind of, it to me, it perpetuates the notion that 
uh, counsel can do whatever counsel wants, uh, that counsel is above the law, uh, that the president is above the law, which I argue is not true. It's not correct. And it should never, uh, that should have never come out. You are listening to KSFR's interview with Navajo Nation Council Delegate Eugenia Charles-Newton. What do you see as a, a a possible solution to this is there are there any alternatives that you can put forward that would make a difference or is this sort of now set in stone and going to happen i don't think anything is ever set in stone i think that if the people really asked questions of whether we were acting within the laws that allowed for this purchase i think that that question should be asked and and i think that that would actually bring to light the fact that that our people understand what the law says uh, and that they're only holding us to what the law says so i, I believe that this may not be set in stone. I mean, I think that once he signs it, uh, if it gets caught up in, in you know, in, in some type of issue, it may go another way. Uh, and I'm talking in terms of uh, litigation. If somebody, if, if, if a Navajo person were to come out and ask those questions, I think that by law, we would be bound to have to answer them. I would hope that that's the way that our Navajo Nation works. But I don't know. Just to circle back on the the house in D.C., a source told me that the actual value of that property is something like two and a half million as opposed to the nearly five million that is going to be paid. Do you know anything about that? I've heard that same thing as well. And I actually, when I initially, when this first came to light, number one, uh, they, the executive branch would not share the, the address with the delegates who were asking about this home. Um, so immediately what I did was, so I, I used to be a law librarian in my previous life uh, before coming back to the Navajo Nation. The research is really, really um, a big part of what I do. So one of the things that I that I did when I initially found out what the address was, was I, I went in and I did a search on uh, the tax liens and then also how much taxes have been paid, the valuation of the home. And I can say that at that time, it was actually right around, it was actually like a million and it wasn't close. It wasn't even close to two million from what I recall. Uh, and I, I wish I would have printed out that page at that time, but I didn't. But I know it wasn't even close to two million dollars. And then there was also the tax issues. Um, that, uh, well, not, I shouldn't say issues, but there was the cost of the taxes. I believe taxes are around 60000 in taxes. And then there was also some issues that were posted on the real estate site after I looked into the tax part of it. I looked into the real estate side of it. So, you know, how they, they're required by law to disclose the home and, and some of the issues that go along with it. But I remember uh, they did state that the home was over 100 years old, but it may require, I believe, um, and again, I, I didn't print the page, but there were some issues that were attached to that uh, that I did bring out during the first debate regarding this house, but it didn't seem to, you know, it didn't really seem to move anybody. So I think in a lot of ways, this home is, we're actually paying a lot more for this home. The weird thing is, um, and, and I don't know, I mean, I, I've, 
you know, I went through the process of purchasing a home. And I remember when we were going through our process, there was such an urgency to try to close on the house. We were, you know, given a time frame of like 15 days to close on the house. And so what I find really strange is June, in June of 2019, an engagement letter was signed um, with the D.C. realtor to begin the search for the property of this, you know, they call it an embassy, but we corrected them and we said, you know, you can't really call it an embassy because there's a process of establishing an embassy in Navajo Nation, I'm sorry, uh, in Washington, D.C. So we stuck to, um, you know, the fact that this is a home. The, the appraisal was ordered in January of 2020. So keep in mind, the initial, I guess, the first start of this whole thing started in June of 2019. And the, you know, we went through the appraisal. The offer was made May 4th, 2020. And that was an offer uh, that apparently there was a negotiation that happened. The, the seller agreed, but it was in May 4th of 2020 that the offer was, the purchase price was agreed upon, or the offer of the purchase price was agreed upon. So if you think about that, that we initially started in June of 2019, and the offer was agreed upon in May of 2020, that's um, almost a year that this whole process was going on. Um, keep in mind that council was never informed of this. We were never told that the president was going out and that he was going to be looking for a home. We had heard rumors, but he never came to council to say, hey, FYI, I'm looking to purchase a home in Washington, D.C. But going back to where I was starting. So the offer was made in May of two, May 4th, 2020, and it was recently decided here in the last few weeks. And we're in we're in February. So it was actually decided in January. So this this seller held on to this property for the Navajo Nation. If you count June, July, August, September, October, November, December, it's almost seven, eight months. So I don't know of any seller who has held out for selling their home for eight months. All I can think is it may be because we paid double for this home. And that's why they held out, because they couldn't find another buyer who was going to pay double of what they were asking for, if it is true that the value of this home is around $2 million. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and again, I, I don't know very much about real estate, but, you, you know, I mean, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are people who do hold out that long. But I know that when I was purchasing my home, you know, we were given a time frame and we were told you had this much time to, to make an offer, to close the deal and or like moving in. And it was less than, I do recall it was less than 30 days. So this, uh, you know, this particular seller held out for eight months. So I suppose you could either say it was altruistic or opportunistic. Probably. I would say opportunistic because, uh, I mean, again, if you were a seller and you had somebody coming to you wanting to pay double what your home was worth, I mean, would, would you hold out for them? Yeah, if, if, I could af- <laughs> if I could afford to, I suppose I would. Councilperson uh, Charles Newton, any last thoughts? Well, I I do have to state that, you know, it, it's really sad. When we first got the $715 million from the federal government for the CARES money, I know that we did pass legislation. One of those legislations we passed on uh on July 4th, actually it was it was vetoed by the president on July 4th, and that was to to help assist 
100 and yeah, I guess it's to build 156 homes that were what we call burnout. These are homes that were burned down and, you know, were no longer livable. And at that time, the the amount that was quoted to us for building one home was 45000 And so President Naz vetoed that. 156 homes could have been built on the Navajo Nation, homes that experienced house fires, but he vetoed that. And then when we talk a little bit more about, you know, homes, there was also a housing project expenditure, which council did try to pass. And on August 16th, President Naz again vetoed that amount. And so his his message in both vetoes was that they were working on it to try to address the housing issues on the Navajo Nation. To date, I, you know, I'm only speaking for my but as a council delegate, we are privy to information of what's happening within the Navajo Nation. I have yet to receive any plan that would address the housing shortage on the Navajo Nation, and I have yet to receive a plan to address those homes that have been burned, you know, that we, we call burnout. Uh, there, has, there is not a plan right now in place that tells us that this is what we are planning to do and how we're planning to put these families back in the homes that, um, you know, that they lost because of a house fire. Uh, many of these house fires are caused because of wood stoves, because we don't have gas coming into our homes to, to heat our homes. We still use wood stoves, we use coal stoves, and we use pellet stoves to keep our homes warm. And so it's really just a shame that he would that he would veto uh, these legislative proposals and go and purchase a home in Washington D.C. for 4.9 million. I don't know um, how else to say this, but I just think that the there are some priorities that are not in line with uh, the needs of the people on the Navajo Nation. So let me just uh, clarify for for the burnout assistance that he vetoed. Yes. Uh, the resolution on um, that is CJN, so like Cat Jake Nancy dash forty seven dash twenty. That was the resolution that uh, vetoed the burnout assistance for one hundred and fifty six homes at forty five thousand dollars, and that was in the amount of seven million dollars. The other one, the housing project expenditure plan, uh, that one was CJY CJY dash sixty seven dash twenty, and that was in the amount of thirty three million four hundred and twenty three thousand nine hundred and fourteen dollars. Can you tell me what was the rationale behind the veto? Do you know? His uh, he really didn't state the rationale, at least from what I recall, for the burnout. Because in my community in Shiprock, we had nine burnouts in in like a year and a half, and I would say like six or seven of those happened during the pandemic. Um, and so I I did hold him, you know, to uh, his statement, and I do recall his statement was that they are working on a plan. And so when I had reached out to him to ask, you know, how we can help these families, there was no response. I, I don't ever get a response back from him when I email him. Um, I don't ever get a response back from him. I don't know if other delegates do, um, but I know that uh, I can only speak for myself and say that he's never, ever communicated with me one way or the other on what his plans are for helping to address the, the need, I guess, the needs there on the Navajo Nation. You've been listening to Eugenia Charles-Newton, Council Delegate for the Navajo Nation. 
Council Delegate Charles Newton was kind enough to provide me with a copy of President Jonathan Nez's rationale for the veto of the $7 million slated for burnout assistance in Resolution CJN 47-20, dated July 4th, 2020. President Nez wrote that he was concerned about, quote, burnout assistance of $7 million with no budget details or explanation of how this assistance will comply with Navajo law, a law that limits the amount of assistance or how the Department of Health will work with the Division of Social Services to provide burnout assistance. Unquote. President Nez did offer the possibility of developing a plan to deal with the burnout housing issue in this statement. Quote, the executive divisions may present a comprehensive plan to the branch chiefs or work out an internal mechanism to provide assistance to those in need, unquote. And again, this was in July of 2020. KSFR would like to invite President Nez or a representative from his office to comment on or respond to Council Delegate Charles Newton's concerns regarding the purchase of the house in Washington, D.C. with equal airtime. For KSFR News, I'm John Shannon.